Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Indeed, Allah chose Adam and Noah and the family of Abraham and the family of Imran over the worlds. Descendants, some of them from others, and Allah is hearing and knowing. Sadaqallahu al-Aliyyul Azim. Respected brothers and sisters, dearest respected viewers, wherever you may be, Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah wa barakatuh. I'd like to start off this show by sending our deepest heartfelt condolences to the Imam of our time and to you and to every Muslim in the world today on the death of Sayyida Khadija alayhi salam. May Allah give our Imam the patience through this time. Last night, alhamdulillah, we were able to look at the life of Prophet Salih alayhi salam. His interaction and discussion with the community around him, the community known as the people of Thamud. If you haven't watched those episodes and you'd like to watch those episodes, all the episodes uh, before that on the Prophets of Allah, then you can do so by going on YouTube and Facebook and they will be uploaded there. But if you do want to continue following us on this special Ramadan series, you can do so by watching us on your Roku and Jadu devices iOS and Android apps, YouTube and Facebook live streams. Tonight, insha'Allah, we're going to be looking at the life of Prophet Ibrahim alayhi salam. I am your host, Minhal al-Khafaji, and what better way to look at the life of <coughs> Prophet Ibrahim alayhi salam than with Dr. Sayyid Amman Naqshawani. Sayyidina, assalamu alaykum. Wa alaykum assalam wa rahmatullah. How are you doing tonight? Very well, thanks. Very well, thank you. Alhamdulillah. Now, Sayyidina... Prophet Ibrahim salam is seen as the father of all the religions, um, mainly the Abrahamic religions. Now, do you think that there should be more of a dialogue between the Muslims, the Christians, and the Jews, since there's so much, you know, hate between us in this day and age? Yeah, I think we should definitely be able, as people of the book, to come together in this very difficult period. Mm -hmm. You know, there is uh, extreme rhetoric in the religion of Islam and in the religion of Christianity and in the religion of Judaism. Mm. And the ones behind this rhetoric are working their hardest to look at the differences that exist between us rather than the similarities. And we have many common denominators. Even the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him and his family, would try to refer to Nabi Ibrahim salam and the story of Nabi Ibrahim to try and bring the Jewish and the Christian community together even in that early Medinian period. And there are so many lessons to be learned from our father Ibrahim. Mm -hmm. If there is one personality whose name is in the Bible, whose name is in the Torah, whose name is in the Quran, and who is seen as being pivotal in the prophetic message and as guide to the people from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, then it's Nabi Ibrahim alayhi salam. Reality is, I don't think many Muslims have understood the story of Nabi Ibrahim. <laughs> there are many aspects of the story of Nabi Ibrahim that there are Muslims in the world today who don't know. They wonder what is the meaning of Suhuf Ibrahim. Mm. What are the scriptures of Ibrahim? They ask, how exactly did Ibrahim manage to defy the idols of his time? How does Ibrahim get to meet Hajar, the birth of Ismail, the birth of Ishaq, which inshallah we'll look at tomorrow. 
So there are many aspects of the life of Nabi Ibrahim we need to reassess. <laughs> because I don't think the biography of Nabi Ibrahim السلام, is as clear-cut as people think it is. Yeah. Those early years were difficult years. His mother faces a difficult time. And inshallah, we'll look at all these lessons. And hopefully at the end of these lessons, we'll try and somehow find a method in which our communities of Ahl al-Kitab, and notice it's Ahl al-Kitab, Allah says the people of the book. Yeah. Now someone wonders, hold on, why people of the book? It should be people of the books. <laughs> the Torah, Injil, Quran. Because we say Ahl al-Kitab because the book came from one origin. That is the origin of coming as a message from God. So let's try and find through his story ways in which we can connect with this unbelievable personality. Now the ayahs I mentioned in the beginning um, of this episode uh, says, Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. This is chapter 3, verse 33 and 34. It says, Indeed Allah chose Adam and Noah. But then when he comes towards Prophet Ibrahim salam, it says, And the family of Ibrahim. Now what message is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala trying to send us when... Uh, inheriting prophethood from the same line. Sure, it's interesting because the ayah says, "Inna Allah astafa Adam, mm-hmm. not Al Adam, Nuh, not Al Nuh." Yeah. But then he says, "Al Ibrahim and Al Imran." Mm-hmm. Now, Al Imran will come to later on, sure. but when it comes to Al Ibrahim, then we know here Allah Subhanahu wa Taala is making it clear that there are certain families, there are certain dynasties. There are certain great personalities who are the ones who will inherit this message. Don't tell me why is it in one family. I know where to put my risala. Mm-hmm. I know where to put my message. Yeah. It's very interesting that sometimes you have people in the world who say that the Shia, the followers of Ahlul Bayt, they say you people say Ali, Hassan, Hussein, Ali ibn al-Hussein, Muhammad al-Baqir, Ja'far al-Sadiq. This imamate of yours is just like a family dynasty, an inheritance. Nubuwa is the same. Mm-hmm. Nubuwa, when we're looking now at Al-Ibrahim, Allah chose Ibrahim, Ismail, Ishaq, Yaqub, Yusuf. This is all one family. So therefore, it's not just a matter of anybody from that family. They have to be righteous individuals, as we'll see in the famous ayah, My covenant of guidance will not reach the one who is uh, an oppressor from your line. However, do not ever bring this excuse that Khilafa or Nubuwa should not belong to one tribe or one family. Because after the Prophet, peace be upon him, his family died, there were people who said, this Khilafa, this Nubuwa shouldn't be with Bani Hashim. They already had Nubuwa, they can't have Imama as well or Khilafa. Mm-hmm. But you go against the Quran. The Quran says, Inna Allah astafa Adama wa Nuhan wa ala Ibrahim. Al-Ibrahim, meaning that there is a particular family who look after this Risala. And that's why it's not surprising when you see Muslims in the world. Allahumma salli wa sallim wa barik. Ala Sayyidina Muhammad wa ala alihi. Kama sallayta ala Ibrahim wa ala alihi. Therefore there is a connection where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala chooses particular lines to look after his message. Now, all of our prophets... Uh, all of the prophets of Allah, they lived through um, oppressive leaders. Now, Prophet Ibrahim السلام, lived uh, at the time of a leader by the name of Nimrud. Who was he? Because the Quran has a habit of mentioning powerful kings and queens and whatnot. Yeah, the Quran does mention some really powerful personalities in history. I can't say they're all bad because... 
the likes of Sheba was a wonderful uh, queen. Suleiman, powerful. Dhul Qarnayn, powerful. And here you have another powerful personality. Um, Nimrud, you'd be hard-pressed to find a person who had as much power as him. Mm-hmm. Known as the first person to have ever minted gold and silver coins. Okay. So for us, gold and silver became part and parcel of our lives, part and parcel of our industries. But he was known as the first to have minted the gold and silver coins. Mm-hmm. Um, extremely powerful personality. And imagine the <clears throat> irony of all ironies. That his closest advisor was Nabi Ibrahim's uncle, Azar. Okay. Azar was the advisor to Nimrod. Nimrod, because he had become such a powerful king, mm-hmm. unlike Dhul Qarnayn and Sulaiman who were humble, unlike the queen of Sheba who was humble, his arrogance overtook him. Yeah. He started saying, I'm not just a king. I am God. Astaghfirullah. Now, Fir'aun mentions this within the Holy Quran, which we will come to later. But he as well says that I am God mm. and all of you should worship me. Azar, Ibrahim's father's brother, used to look towards the stars to try and see whether the stars were giving any messages. Now, this area of astrology, there is a certain number of hadiths that say, there is a truth to the study of the stars, although not, you know, if you're getting from someone fallible, then you're not going to get the exact answer. However, what you have is that Azar is looking up at the stars and he turns around to him, he says to him, I think you're in trouble. He says to him, what do you mean? He goes, the way the stars are aligned, I think there's a message being sent. Now, Nimrud trusted Azar with everything. Okay. So, and Azar has relations with the prophetic family, which we will come to shortly. And so what you have is that he tells him there's going to be a newborn. He's going to take over your kingdom. He's going to bring you down. Wow. He's going to challenge you. He said to him, what do you mean? He said, from amongst this society, from amongst this community, there's a newborn who's going to challenge Azar says, so do something about this. Make sure that we find out every single husband, wife in the community. Tell them that they cannot come together. I don't want no newborn being born. Now you imagine this person who calls himself God, mm-hmm. doesn't know how to do this himself. This is the irony. When someone calls, yeah, yeah, yeah. when you call yourself God, Subhanallah. or you call yourself a representative of God. Let's say you're not God. Say you're an imam who represents God. Mm-hmm. When you don't have certain abilities, how can you tell the people that you are the rep of God or that you are God? He tells him, listen, go and make sure the husbands and the wives do not sleep with one another for a certain period of time. I don't want to see a newborn born. Wow. He said, so nobody from these families, no couples are allowed to be with each other. He said, look, those who are related to us are not going to backstab us. Subhanallah. Okay. So your brother, if he's married to somebody, let them continue. Your cousin, if he's married to somebody, let them continue. However, those who aren't close to us, make sure that there is an announcement that's made. That a punishment will be meted out by the God of the people against them. Wow. 
So this Azar was the closest person to who? He was the closest person to Nimrod, but he was also the uncle of Prophet Ibrahim. Ibrahim. Now, it's, it's good that you cleared that up because when you, in previous episodes, we, you were asked the question whether Prophet Ibrahim's um, father was a kafir. But uh, alhamdulillah, you cleared that up for the viewers. Now, because surely we can't have a Prophet of Allah whose father... This is, is interesting because many people ask this question. Nabi Ibrahim alayhi salam... The Quran says that when he speaks, he speaks to a person by calling him Eb. Mm -hmm. But that person is an idol worshipper. Therefore, they say, was Azar the uncle of Ibrahim or was Azar the father of Ibrahim? We believe no. The father of Nabi Ibrahim was called Tarah. The uncle was called Azar. Someone who raises you from a young age, if your dad's died, you'd refer to him as Eb. If your dad died yep. and your uncle raises you, you start calling him Papa, yep. Baba, Abby, correct? Yep. So what you have is, number one, we don't believe that Azar was the uncle, was the father. We believe Azar was the uncle, mm -hmm. the one who used to construct the idols for the people. Yeah. Whereas we say that Tarakh was the father. Mm -hmm. And Tarakh was the believer in La ilaha illallah. In, our traditions, we make this clear. Mm -hmm. The father of a prophet is a firm monotheist. Sadly, there are Muslims in the world today who believe that Rasulullah the Holy Prophet, his father was a polytheist who burns in hell. His mother was a polytheist who burns in hell. Mm -hmm. On the contrary, we believe that the Holy Prophet, peace be upon his family, all of them, their fathers were believers in La ilaha illallah. Tarakh, the father of Ibrahim. Notice Ibrahim at times use, uses the concept of Eb. Sometimes he uses the concept of Walid. Mm. With Eb, he refers it to his uncle, for example, who raised him, as we said. For example, in the Quran, you'll find وَمَا كَانَ اسْتِغْفَارِ إِبْرَاهِيمِ لِأَبِيهِ إِلَّا عَنْ مَوْعِدَةٍ وَعَدَهَا إِيَّاهِ فَلَمَّا تَبَيَّنَ لَهُ أَنَّهُ عَدُوٌ لِلَّهِ تَبَرَّأَ مِنْهِ Here, the concept of Eb. When Ibrahim makes a dua, he says, رَبِّ اغْفِرُ لِي وَلِوَالِدَيْهِ Walid, Eb, there is a difference. So somebody who has raised you after your father has died, is somebody who you may still call Baba. Doesn't mean he's your real dad. But because your dad died when you were young, mm -hmm. and he's the one who raised you, you would call him, for example, Eb. Okay. Yeah. Now, is this, is this belief a unique belief to just the Shia, or is there other schools in Islam that believe that? It, it, it seems like majority opinion is the Shia opinion. Mm -hmm. um, that Ibrahim's father and the fathers of every prophet were prostrators, as the Qur'an mentions. The people who were of the Sajideen, <clears throat> these continued. And this is a firm belief in the Shi'i school. 
We do not believe that the Holy Prophet, peace be upon his family, his father or his mother ever worshipped or were idol worshippers. You mentioned the name of Prophet Adam's father, Tarakh, but what was his mother's name? Prophet Ibrahim? Yeah. Prophet Ibrahim's mother was called Sarah. Sarah. Which would later be the name of his wife. Uh, his mom was called Sarah. She was the daughter of Prophet Lahij. <laughs> Um, one of the prophets of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala who we don't really have much about but we know that Prophet Ibrahim's father-in-law was a prophet as well mm -hmm. yeah how did they how did they ensure his safety well yeah, yeah it's, it's a good question because Nimrud said that listen I find any newborn that newborn's dead yeah no husband no wife are allowed to be with one another mm -hmm. so you know what happened she um, Azar actually sees that his brother's wife has given birth. Mm -hmm. And when he, he bege begins to be suspicious that, hold on a minute, what if it's my nephew? Yeah. Who's going to be the reason of people leaving the path of uh, Nimrud. Nimrud? Yeah. Now he notices that Sarah, the mother of Ibrahim, is taking her baby to a cave. She knew that the baby was in danger. At first, when he suspected that there may have been something between his brother and the wife, he went to check Allah hid the pregnancy. Subhanallah. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala hid the pregnancy. Mm -hmm. You see, at the beginning, he had suspected, what if it's my brother? I'm allowing my brother to be with his wife, but what if it's my brother's wife who gives birth? Allah hid that pregnancy. Yes. Now that's... Very similar to the birth of Imam al-Mahdi Correct, that's a great point. <coughs> Imam al-Mahdi al-Sharif because there was a belief at the time of the 12th of the Rafid or the 12th of the Shia and there were hadiths in circulation at the time that there will be 12 Khulafa after me and the Abbasids were keeping an eye that is the Mahdi going to be born so the signs of pregnancy could not be seen on the mother of Imam on the night of the 15th of Sha'ban. Wow. So likewise with Nabi Ibrahim السلام, his mother Sarah, there were no signs of pregnancy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Now, you know I like to talk meaning. What does the name Ibrahim mean? You know, there's different opinions. One opinion <coughs> is if you break the word down, um, hem is concern. Okay. And bir, for example, ta'awanu ala al-bir. Bir is to... Do that which is righteous. Yeah. So there is an opinion that Ibrahim comes from the meaning of the one who was always concerned to do that which was righteous mm -hmm. so that he would be elevated on a day of judgment. Now this concern, because um, I've read that he had wisdom from a very young age. Mm. When did he announce his prophethood? But before that, how long was he in that cave? His mother took him to that cave because she feared for his safety. Mm -hmm. Like later we're going to see in the story of Nabi Musa alayhi salam, that Nabi Musa's mother puts him in that basket in the river Nile because she fears for his safety. safety. So what you have with Nabi Ibrahim alayhi salam is his mother put him in the cave and then she said, Ya Allah, I ask you and I am a believer in you and not a believer in the path of Nimrud. Mm -hmm. And my father was a prophet of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Look after this baby of mine. 
the angels would come and feed Nabi Ibrahim So within that cave, you would have the angels would look after him. You would have food being sent down from him. Now someone might say, how could the angels be coming? Well, the angels used to bring food to Maryam mm-hmm. So why can't they bring food to Nabi Ibrahim yeah. So the angels used to be the ones who used to come. They used to look after him and he used to sit there in the cave. I would say that Nabi Ibrahim, according to most ahadith, lived in that cave. Now, listen, Azar wasn't stupid as well. Because, you know, if you're going to give birth, your your pregnancy may be hidden. Mm -hmm. But you can't hide a a, a baby within the house. So Azar had begun to ask questions. Eventually, he found Ibrahim in the cave. But Sarah said to Azar, she said, look, he is in this cave, but I promise we'll leave him here. If he stays alive, he stays alive. If he dies, he dies. He's not going to come and make contact with anybody. Azar left them. Until around the age of 13 to 15, Nabi Saleh was a prophet at which age we said yesterday. Nabi Saleh was... 16. 16 and you find that with Nabi Ibrahim salam, between the age of 13 and 15 is when he eventually emerges from that cave mm. to come back into the middle of that region that had known his parents so well and I've heard that he he goes to his uncle Azar and he questions him about the idols that they've carved well remember his uncle <clears throat> is the one who constructs idols. This guy was minting it because this guy was the advisor to God. Astaghfirullah. And he was at the same time the person who was making gods for people to worship. So he was minting it. And you know, subhanAllah, sometimes there are people who subjugate the masses with idols but while they are making money on those idols. Mm-hmm. You know why this story was affecting Mecca? We always say every prophet's yeah. story is related to something that's happening in the life of Rasulullah in Mecca or Medina. Because Abu Sufyan was making a killing from constructing idols. People come to visit the idols. When they don't have enough money, he says, you want to borrow money from me? Borrow and I'll charge you interest every day that you're late. So this Azar, he was the person who was carving these idols he had this big company and now when Nabi Ibrahim emerges finally from living in that cave mm-hmm. um, caves always have a fundamental position with prophets you know with, Allah, yeah. with with the holy prophet peace be upon him with Ghar Hira, with the people of Ashab al-Kahf mm-hmm. and so on so what you have is Nabi Ibrahim comes back into town when he comes back into town he begins to look at these people bowing before idols and he's looking at them and you can imagine this Nabi of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has not been mixing with the people for a long time. In a way you could say in his tender young age, he looks at them worshipping the idols and he says to them, do you guys actually think that these idols will answer you? They're like, who are you? He's like, well, I'm... I'm one of you, I've grown up here, but why are you guys bowing before stones? Are you for, like, are you really bowing before a stone? Mm. Now someone might say, hold on, you Muslims bow before this big black cube called the Kaaba. Yeah, but we don't worship that as God. Of course not. That Kaaba brings the uniformity between colors of people around the world, red, black, white, all of our different colors. We pray to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in uniformity. 
But none of us look at that stone and say that that is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Or it's an image of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So he begins, and people are like, who is this guy? Where's he been? Because remember, Nabi Ibrahim's been in a cave for how long? 13 years, 15 years. So people are wondering, who is this guy? His uncle, you can imagine, suddenly comes and say, hey, come here. Who are you talking to? Because his uncle's thinking, hold on a minute. Firstly, these people don't know who you are. Secondly, they beat the living daylights out of you. Thirdly, cha-ching, cha-ching. You're yeah. look, you know, my money is getting affected when you start talking to people like this. That idol, I don't care if it's a stone. I make money of people donating to that idol. So he pulls Nabi Ibrahim away. When he pulls Nabi Ibrahim, he, Nabi Ibrahim's mother, Sarah, who some believe that after... Sarah died, Azar married, Sarah the mother of Ibrahim. Some believe this. I, I don't think, I think it's open for debate. Now, anyway, he tells her, Sarah, what is this? What's this Ibrahim talking about? She's like, you know, he's young. And uh, it must have just come as a surprise to him. And you find that he suddenly started to go out elsewhere. He started to see people worshipping the sun. Some were worshipping the moon. Some were worshipping the planets. Some were worshipping idols. And he come up to him and say, excuse me, excuse me. Like, do you really believe that that idol is going to help you? And he'll be like, yeah. Like, but how? If you just picked up something and broke it, it can't do anything for itself. How's it going to help you? People used to look at him and say, well, maybe it's just a kid. Leave him alone. Mm. Yeah. Wow. Next. Ah. Sayyidna, you love to mention the, <clears throat> you love to mention the word Shia. Now, yes. in the previous nights, we, you said there's, you can't say, you know, people say you can't say Shia. In verse, th in chapter 37, verse 83, it says, Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim, wa inna min shi'atihi la Ibrahim. And indeed, among his kind was Abraham. What is the meaning of Shia? Wa inna min shi'atihi la Ibrahim means that Nabi Ibrahim was one of the followers of Nabi Nuh alayhi salam. Therefore, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala used the word Shia to say that he is of the party of Nuh, the group of Nuh. And therefore, that term can later on refer to a theological group. If you hear someone's called Shi'at Ali, that means that they are the party of Imam Ali in believing that Imam Ali is the rightful successor of the Holy Prophet as the first caliph of Islam. And there might be others who are Shi'at Fulan wa Fulan. Ahsantu Sayyidna. Dearest viewers, do join us after the break as we continue looking at the life of Prophet Ibrahim alayhi salam. Wassalamu alaykum wa rahmatullah wa barakatuh. Assalamu alaikum, dear suspected brothers and sisters, dear viewers, wherever you may be. Welcome to the second part of Live in London with Dr. Sayyid Aman Naqshawani as we discuss the life of Prophet Ibrahim alayhi salam. Now, Sayyidna, Prophet Ibrahim, when he's come down, before the break, we mentioned that Prophet Ibrahim, he goes to these people who were, you know, praying to the sun and the moon and the idols. 
and they were talking about um, he was asking them yes he was asking them you know what are you doing so when he first sees the temple of idols how does he react mm-hmm. now in chapter 6 verse 74 it says bismillah rahman rahim and mention o muhammad when ibrahim said to his father azar do you take idols as deities indeed i see you and your people to be in manifest error and in uh, verse 75 it says and thus did we show Ibrahim the realm of the heavens and the earth that he would be among the certain in faith. So when the night covered him with darkness, he saw a star. He said, this is my Lord. Mm. But when it set, he said, I like not those that disappear. And when he saw the moon rising, he said, this is my Lord. Mm. But when it said, he said, unless my Lord guides me, I will surely be among the people gone astray. Now, he calls the planet, the sun, the moon, God. Did he sin? As in, wouldn't this be considered a form of shirk? No, whoever says this has not understood prophethood. Mm-hmm. And whoever says this has not understood the meaning of Isma. Mm-hmm. There are Muslims in the world who believe Nabi Ibrahim cannot give us shafa'a intercession on the day of judgment because they say that Nabi Ibrahim worshipped the moon and the sun and the planet Venus for a certain period of his life. And therefore, because of this, they have a question mark on his asma. Others have question mark on when he asks Allah, how do you raise the dead and make them alive? So we reply that no, a rhetorical question. I see you worshipping the moon. I say to you, this must be God. You're like, yeah, yeah, this is God. Yeah, but who created the moon? The moon is an effect. There must be a cause. Mm -hmm. The moon did not just come out of nowhere. Who is the creator of the moon? So you're giving me the effect. I'm asking you for the cause. Mm -hmm. Of course. I come to a group of people who worship the sun. I ask them, this is God. Say, yes, this is God. Who put the sun in its place? I come to a group of people who worship the planet Venus. This is God. They're like, yeah, this is God. Who created the planets in this way? They are a creation. There must be a creator. They are a possible existent. There must be a necessary existent. Mm -hmm. They are an effect. There must be a cause. All of these different philosophical theories that have been given in history. And even until today, if someone throws something and says, this is how the world started, I'm like, yeah, but who put that in its place? Until he says, I turn not to the Samawat and Ard. I don't worship the Samawat and the Ard. I worship the one, the one who originally created the heavens and the earth. Those of you who worship the sun, there are certain demonic groups that do worship the sun. You can see in their lyrics and music very clearly. Okay, you worship the sun. Who put the sun in its place? The sun created, the sun will die. Exactly. The moon is created, the moon will die. But who is al hayy al-ladhi la yamut? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So therefore those who say Nabi Ibrahim السلام, came to the people worshipping the sun and the moon and the stars, that means he worshipped No, the rhetorical question. Mm-hmm. Many times in our own discussions, we say something rhetorically. We don't expect you to answer. We're trying to make you rethink. So at this stage, 
Not only is he clashing with the idol worshippers, he's now clashing with those who are taking the cosmos as the be-all and end-all. Now, you mentioned before the break that Azar lost it when uh, Prophet Ibrahim came and he was questioning the idols and, you know, because it was business for him. Now, we see in chapter 19, verse 46 and 47, it says, Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. His father said, Have you no desire for my gods, O Abraham? If you do not uh, desist, I will surely stone you. So avoid me a prolonged time. And then Abraham said, Peace will be upon you. I will ask forgiveness for you of my Lord. Indeed, he is very gracious to me. What does it teach us about Salat al-Rahim? One of the best examples of Salat al-Rahim in the Quran is Ibrahim versus his uncle. Mm-hmm. He said, are you trying to turn people away from those idols that I'm minting? If you don't stop, I'm going to stone you to death. Now, when your uncle says something like that to you, it's hard to keep your akhlaq, isn't it? If your uncle turns around to you and says, you, don't, you do that one more time, I'm going to slap you. Of you do that one more time, I'm going to stone you. You do that one more time. But subhanAllah, the prophets of Allah are tested with Salat al-Rahim to be role models for us. It's not easy for us to maintain Salat al-Rahim. Relations with one's womb relatives. You've always got the odd cranky uncle. You've always got the odd rude cousin. You've always got the odd boring so-and-so. But they are your family members. Whoever shows mercy to his relatives, Allah will show mercy to them on the day of judgment. Mm. And whoever is bad to their relatives, then they're not going to expect the mercy of Allah on that day. Therefore, Islam wanted to show example with Azan and Ibrahim. When he says to him, When he says that, the reply could be, you know what, let's take this outside right now, me and you. Right now, let's go. Yeah. Or the reply could be, you know what, I'll punch you. Easy. There are many cousins who have punched each other. There are many nephews, uncles, aunts who have slapped each other. Look at the example of the Khalil of Allah, Ibrahim salam. That Nabi Ibrahim, the friend of Allah, and tomorrow we will discuss what it means to be the Khalil of Allah and the story of Ismail and Ishaq. But with Nabi Ibrahim salam, it says, قَالَ سَلَامٌ عَلَيْكَ سَأَسْتَغْفِرُ لَكَ رَبِّي إِنَّهُ كَانَ بِحَفِيَّةٍ He says to him, in his tender young age, but this unbelievable maturity that the prophets of Allah are given at that young age, he says to him, peace be upon you. Do you know how difficult it is to maintain akhlaq with a relative who's rude to you? Very you know, people talk of uh, jihad, nafs, that is probably the biggest jihad you can have as a human being. Mm-hmm. Maintaining akhlaq with an arrogant relative, with a rude relative. You know, sometimes people have got the most wealth, brilliant education. They have everything in life. But Allah tested them with one family member. Mm -hmm. A family member who's abrasive. A family member who's rude. A family member who shows no humility. Ibrahim could have easily turned around and lashed out at his uncle. قَالَ سَلَامٌ عَلَيْكَ Not just سَلَامٌ عَلَيْكَ سَأَسْتَغْفِرُ لَكَ رَبِّي I will ask my Lord to forgive you. إِنَّهُ كَانَ بِحَفِيَةٍ He's been so kind to me. So this example for us is a beautiful example. 
that it doesn't matter who you are, prophet of Allah, not a prophet of Allah, you could still be tested at any moment with a family member. But say, what if, let's say, my uncle is not a Muslim? Do I still talk to him? Yes, he has the right that he is still your uncle, even if he's not a Muslim. Your uncles, Hindu, Sikh, Buddhist, Christian, Jew, they are still your uncle. They have a haq over you that you still talk to them, no doubt. How about if they're not a believer in God, let's say? Does not matter. They don't believe in God. Have they disrespected God? Have they mocked God? Are they mocking the religion? That's a different story. But if they haven't mocked, they haven't disrespected, there's nothing wrong there. How about if they don't want to talk to me, let's say? If they don't want to talk to you, main thing is that you maintain a salam. You don't need to go further. If they don't even want to reply to the salam, that's between them and God on the Day of Judgment. And it's a long day of judgment according to the hadiths when someone says salam alaikum to you and you just turn away. Um, Ibrahim's uncle is saying to him, لَأَرْجُمَنَّكِ He replies, سَلَامٌ عَلَيْكُمْ So that's a lesson for all of us. Yeah. So what you have here is, if my uncle doesn't even say salam to me, I could say salam. Even just asking about them, even doing dua for them in Salat al-Layl, in Namaz al-Shab. You know, sometimes in Salat al-Layl, you're thinking of people you're doing dua for. Sometimes people pop up who you don't necessarily like and you're like, what are they doing here tonight? <laughs> I don't like this guy. You have to read a dua for them. If you at that moment can read a dua, you've mastered jihad and nafs. That you are praying for them while they think that there's still animosity between you. Mm-hmm. Subhanallah, because, you know, the reason I ask those questions is because this is something personal to me. Because, you know, um, I have an uncle who's just like that. Now, back to Prophet Ibrahim alayhi salam. Who were his first, we can say, Shia? But Shia Ibrahim, I would say the first ones were his cousins, a brother and sister by the name of Lut and Sarah. Subhanallah. Nabi Lut, who we will come to later, Nabi Lut was the cousin of Nabi Ibrahim. And his sister Sarah would later become the wife. These were the first followers of Ibrahim salam. Now, with any Prophet of Allah, our Prophets seem, all seem very passionate when preaching. Was Prophet Ibrahim the same? I think he was actually over-passionate in, the, in his... Really? Um, and when I say over-passionate, I remember reading a hadith where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has a conversation with Ibrahim telling that even when you do see members of your community do wrong, don't lash out at them there and then. He apparently had seen this couple who had engaged in an adulterous relationship. Mm-hmm. And at that moment, he comes and tells them, how dare you be in this adulterous relationship, this, this, and so on. And Allah tells them, Ibrahim, those are my creations, not yours. And even if they have gone towards that direction, leave them to talk to me. I know their circumstance. Hold back a bit and think twice about the moments when you're going to Lash say up. something. Yeah. I think there's a maturing Ibrahim in his story. I must admit, mm. you know, Nabi Ibrahim is one of the Ulil Azim. They are already on an extremely high pedestal. But I think Nabi Ibrahim, there are moments of maturity for him. You know, we're looking at the very young Nabi Ibrahim. And I think that's in stark contrast mm-hmm. to the elder Ibrahim. Now, Sarah was very dear to him. We read the narrations that she was very dear to him. Mm. What was she like when they first got married? Rich, 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 wealthy family she came from. 
-hmm. very wealthy. Um, and she did something which was amazing. Her inheritance that she got from her family, the wealth, she gave it all to Nabi Ibrahim. And she said, if this helps your Rasada, and it helps the message flow and continue, then it's better that I give it to you for you to spread the word of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So yeah, she came from a very wealthy background and was very loyal to him as we now come to the moment where he faces Nimrod's wrath. Mm -hmm. yeah. Now, the story that Prophet Ibrahim is arguably most famous for is the festival of idols. Mm. This major move that he makes, mm. could you touch upon it? He's been, he's been very open in saying that, you know, these idols that you worship cannot harm you, cannot benefit you, and so on. Uh, people are like, he's young, don't listen to him, he's young. They know his uncle's in a powerful position. Sometimes his uncle's position was the only thing saving him from being killed. They used to have this uh, festival they'd all go to. They asked him, well, why don't you come? One narration mentions that he said, I'm ill, I cannot make it. And um, the narrations mention that he went towards their temple. That these people were so submerged in idol worship. There was no such thing as Allah Rabbil Alameen anymore. It was human beings who were being deified into idols. And he knew that the only way to make them reflect. And because this was an extreme case, this is not a normal case. Listen, if you see people worshipping idols... You don't just go and smash their idols. But in this case, he felt that the message of Nuh السلام, which now it was the Suhuf of Ibrahim that became the guide towards people, towards man. Mm -hmm. And unless he made these people come out of their slumber and awake, then there would be generations that would be deviated away from the path of Allah SWT. So what he does, he goes to the temple he breaks every single idol except the biggest one and what he used to smash all the idols he left it on the biggest one now when everybody came back they saw all of their idols and start crying because they're thinking you know what god's dead god's dead god's dead god who's the all eternal mm -hmm. dead so when they saw this it was like nietzsche all over again so when they saw this you'd think that they'd rethink, how, if that's God, how can it not protect itself? Exactly. Surely it'd be able to protect itself. Instead they were like, who's done this? Who's done this? Our gods have died. One of them said, There was that youth, Ibrahim. He's the one. And so they started to go looking for Ibrahim alayhi salam. When they started to go looking for Nabi Ibrahim السلام, they bought him. They said, listen, did you do all of this? Did you break all those idols? He said, ask the big one if the big one can speak. They just looked at the big one. They looked at each other and they knew at that moment Ibrahim had got them. At that moment, some join him. Okay. Because they think, hold on a minute. The biggest one, he never smashed it. We're asking him, did you do it? Well, why don't you ask the God? Exactly. You ask God. Absolutely, yeah. A human being, when they don't want to come towards the path of God, will make a million excuses. They know the truth. But either a hypocritical religious figure has hurt them, or they just have had a hard time with certain concepts in religion, mm -hmm. or God knows what's happened in the family, and so on, and makes them 
fight the message of God. What did they do? When they heard this, Azar said, you know what, enough's enough. We're going to burn him. That's it. I want everybody to gather to make the biggest fire ever. So we as a government make clear that anybody who dares to question our idols. Hold on, wait, wait. We never questioned. We said to the idol, the big one, listen, tell us what happened. But the big one doesn't speak. So what have I done wrong? <laughs> you, Ibrahim, are going to be burnt. You're going to burn me? Yes. Nimrod said, we'll burn him and we'll make it a festival. Get catapults, get everything ready. And mind you, this fire was so big, you can't just have a ringside on this fire. They had to be quite far. But people couldn't believe something. Why was Ibrahim at such peace? The messengers of Allah and the awliya do not fear death. Mm. If you're on the path of truth, you've been sincere, why should you fear death? Everyone's looking at him thinking, you know, you're going to be burned in a second. No problem. Subhanallah. I have no fear. If I'm going to be killed, there are prophets before me who've been killed. Exactly. But I'm on the path of the truth. You people are in error. This was a difficult time. You know, it's a difficult time for his family, for his followers. But for him, he seemed to be at peace. Mm. Yeah. I don't think... I don't think Azar really cared much for the, uh, the idols, rather he cared yeah. for his pockets True. more. Now, did Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala send him anyone or anything, or did he have a dua that he read? Well, the Islamic literature does talk about the fact that different angels were coming, and you know, angel of wind and angel of rain, and they're all saying, shall I blow it out? Shall I put the rain on and you know, ensure that it does not continue to harm you? They say that Jibra'il even was going to come and help him. And I'd say the only way Jibra'il did help him, and some, a dua which he would recite, a statement that he would recite while in the fire, would be continuously salawat on Muhammad and Al Muhammad. Subhanallah. Allahumma salli ala Muhammad wa Ali Muhammad when he was there. Because he knew that the most beloved to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala are Muhammad and Al Muhammad. Ahsan. The Holy Prophet and his family. And nothing burns away difficulties you're facing in life like continuous salawat especially in the holy month of Ramadan try as much to do salawat as possible you're in your car driving don't listen to some nonsense in this holy month try and just do salawat as much as you can you know if you're just sitting there at home relaxing after iftar try and do just throw 50 salawat in 100 salawat in Nabi Ibrahim what made him become at peace in the fire of Nimrod was to remember Muhammad and Al Muhammad. Like Nabi Nuh alayhi salam with Safina when he said, Bihaqi Muhammad wa anta Like Nabi Adam alayhi salam, the common denominator of the Ulul Azim was for them, the pinnacle was Muhammad and Al Muhammad. Salawatullah wa salamu alayhi. They were the axis around which all of the blessings of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala emanated. To mankind, and this is in Shi'i literature, but also in non-Shi'i literature as well, where the idea of the awliya, the idea of the aqtab, the idea of the poles on the earth were seen as Al Muhammad sallallahu And that's where we see the famous ayah, Ya Naru, Kuni Bardan wa Salama. O fire be a place of what? Coolness. Now, if you make the fire cold, Ibrahim will freeze to death. Wa Salama and peace. Not just Bardan. Al Barid, people will be like, listen, I'm freezing here. Mm -hmm. Bardan wa Salama. 
And that is what made all of them astonished. Every time, you know, every time, I, I don't mention this, but every time you mention the, the stories of the prophets and how they all say, Allahumma salli ala Muhammad wa ali Muhammad, just shivers, literal yeah. shivers. Now, when he recited Allahumma salli ala Muhammad wa ali Muhammad and he came out alive, mm. they must have gone crazy. Yeah, people were. What did Nimrud do? Nimrud lost it. Nimrod started to give these arguments in the Quran. You can read them in Surah Al-Baqarah. I think Surah 2 verse 258 around that section. Nimrod starts, he's looking around. He's like, hold on a minute. Everybody's actually believing in what this guy's saying. I'm going to lose my power. Um, you know, Ibrahim, you know your God? He raises the dead uh, and, 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 and makes them alive. Um, I could do that. Nabi Ibrahim's like, how? He's like, um, there's these two prisoners, they're both meant to get killed. So I'm going to get one of them killed, but the other one, I'm going to let go. That means someone who's dead, I made him alive. <laughs> yeah, buddy, what are you chatting about? You're having a laugh? No, no, no. no. What, what, what are you chatting about? This Numrud lost it. Then um, Nabi Ibrahim's like, my Lord is the one who raises the sun from the east. Raise it from the west. At that moment, Numrud's like, uh, okay, forget about this. <laughs> you know what? You guys can go away safely. And at that period, people started to join you know, the, the later lines of Shu'aib and Ayyub and so on. You know, those tribes, they all start coming towards Nabi Ibrahim salam, yeah. I mean, who wouldn't join him just to see someone chilling there in the fire? Like, yeah, you yeah. know, it would be an amazing sight to see someone <laughs> just chilling in fire. Yeah. <laughs> and you're just looking and you're thinking, um, yeah, I think he's a prophet of God because that fire would burn everything. But he's just enjoying um, tasting the pleasure of one who relies on Allah mm -hmm. in every moment of their life. Now, where did he, after he left the fire, where did he leave to? Yeah, it's a long story because, you know, tomorrow we continue with Ibrahim, Ismail and Ishaq. Mm. Um, <coughs> you know, he goes towards, um, there's, there's a few cities which are fundamental in the world today related to Nabi Ibrahim. One of them is Mecca, obviously. Of course. Another is Nasriya. In the south of Iraq, really? yes, yes, Nasriya is fundamental. Shout out to everybody from Nasriya. May Allah bless them all. Um, another is Kufa, and another is uh, Hebron. You know, so that whole area of you know that, that that whole stretch of Syria and Yemen, and you know that whole area becomes fundamental for Nabi Ibrahim and where him and his family head in that period. Now, saying that, just a few questions coming in from WhatsApp. Yeah. Um, Ali from Norway says, what are Suhuf Ibrahim? Suhuf Ibrahim. Suhuf Ibrahim are 20 scriptures. Mm -hmm. Which were given to Nabi Ibrahim alayhi salam. How many? 20. 20. Moral lessons and wise sayings from Ibrahim as a guide to mankind. So in the Quran, we do read of the Suhuf of Ibrahim and Musa. And so the Suhuf were 20 scriptures which were given to him. Ahsan. Uh, another question coming in. Um, Malak from Dearborn says, What are the codes of laws that Ibrahim establishes in relation to cleanliness and purity? Yeah, they're the, they're the laws of Abraham related to cleanliness. Okay, so they're related. Some are related to the head. Some are related to the body. Okay. So in terms of related to the head, brushing the teeth, Nabi Ibrahim. Trimming the moustache. Some people have got the moustache which comes over their lips. 
Whereas Nabi Ibrahim would tell the people, cleanliness is seen in the trimming of the mustache. You have, for example, also um, trimming one's hair, hair. You have also not keeping the beard too long. These are related to the head region and also um, uh, flossing. flossing, which our dentists will always tell us, make sure you floss, make sure you floss. Nabi Ibrahim, the codes of laws he had related to that. Then he had to the rest of the body. When you, for example, urinate feces, you have to use water to purify. And I know there are people who make fun of Muslims because the Muslims are known to always purify themselves when they use the bathroom. We're following what Abraham taught. Exactly. So we have that ghusl after intercourse. Yes, the, the ceremonial washing. Trimming one's nails. Everybody was taught that. Removal of body hair. That there are certain nations that pride themselves on allowing their body hair to continue to grow. They don't shave it. It's disgusting, you know, yeah. when there are people out yeah. there who are like, you know, I enjoy having hairy armpits or, Oof. you know, I enjoy having my pubic hair growing long and so on. And sorry if I'm just destroyed people's iftar, I, I didn't mean <laughs> to. But there are nations who, who actually pride themselves that mm. the more hair you have, Probably to compensate for their lack of hair in, in other regions. Um, whereas, no, he, he teaches the people clearly. And then circumcision on the seventh day, taught to us by Nabi Ibrahim Sayyid, I'm sure the hunger people are going through right now in the month of Ramadan, nothing will ruin their... Yeah, yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah, they'll, they'll make it. <laughs> yeah, they'll yeah, make yeah. It, yeah. Um, uh, we have another question that's coming from Zahra from Melbourne. Uh, she says, is it true... I've heard that Nabi Ibrahim circumcised himself at the age of 80. 8-0. We, in the Shia school, we reject it. It is in other schools in Islam that Nabi Ibrahim salam circumcised himself. But damn, that must be painful, anyone who does that. Circumcised himself at the age of 80. No. We have a hadith which says the prophets of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala are born circumcised. Okay. Yeah, so we have that tradition. Others do mention about circumcision. Um, that the, the foreskin and the umbilical cord leaves them within the seventh day as a gift from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But we also have the tradition that the prophets of Allah are born circumcised. Now, if a person isn't circumcised, let's say there are reverts out there who are watching this, and somebody says, well, I don't believe in these things. Look, you may decide to remain without being circumcised, but for you to perform hajj, there are certain parts of hajj where you would have to be circumcised for the Hajj to be complete. And even there are non-Muslims out there who have written studies on how those who are circumcised pick up less diseases, less infections than those. Now, someone might say you can't generalize, but there is opinions of that out there of a cleanliness issue. But if my Prophet of Allah tells me this, it's enough for me. Uh, so I don't really need to go further than that. Absolutely, yes. absolutely. I sent him saying that thank you very much for your yes, time Yes, our tonight. condolences, condolences, our condolences to everybody out there on the on the demise of the greatest wife of the Holy Prophet, peace be upon his family, mm. Sayyidah Khadija alayhi salam, one of the four women of Jannah alongside Asya, Maryam and Fatima al-Zahra alayhi salam. May Allah grant us on a night like this her shafa'a yeah. and may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala 
allow us to visit her grave in the land of Mecca. And inshallah, in short, it comes back to its greatest glory. Ahsan Sayyidina, thank you very much. Thank you very much for the dearest viewers for tuning in to your favorite Ramadan uh, series and show live in London with Dr. Sayyid Aman Akhshawani. Tomorrow, inshallah, we'll be looking at the marriage of Prophet Ibrahim to his wives, Sarah and Hajar, and his two sons, Prophet Ismail and Prophet Ishaq, alayhim as-salam. Wassalamu alaykum wa rahmatullah wa barakatuh. Thank you for listening to our podcast. We encourage you to look at our audio library for more content on Quran, ethics, lifestyle and spirituality. Imam Hussain TV3, your gateway to Karbala.